You've been listening to the weekly sermon from the Vine Church in Madison, Wisconsin, a spirit-filled family that makes disciples and plants churches among neighbors and nations through declaration and demonstration. For more information and service times, check out our website at www.thevinemadison.org. Why don't we go ahead and find our seats and we'll get going here this morning. I want to say welcome to you. Um, real quick before we dive into our text, uh, yesterday, Jamie Chong, uh, now Jamie um, Buren, married Matt Buren. Yeah, a lot of uh, folks from the wedding are here today. So glad that you're here. But she, um, Matt and Jamie gifted us flowers in the lobby. So if you would like any of those beautiful flowers, feel free to take them. The only request is don't take the vases. Okay, so just go ahead and take some flowers. They're very beautiful. Take as much as you'd like. They would love to have those find a good home. All right, we are in the book of Matthew. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it. Matthew 7, starting in verse 7. And I've got Carolyn somewhere. There she is. Uh, Carolyn's going to come up and read our text. Matthew 7, 7 through 11. This is what Holy Scripture says. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you... If his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for how you've promised to give us good gifts. We see that. We want to live in light of that this morning as we read that in your word. And we pray right now that we would receive your word as a good gift. That it would not be um, something that we fear. It would be something that we receive with joy and with thanksgiving. So Lord, would you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think something that we can all relate to as human beings is a desire to give and receive gifts, right? And sometimes the giving of a gift, especially, especially if it's like a, an extravagant gift, can be more exciting than actually the receiving of a gift. Um, one of my best friends here in Madison recently did something amazing in the term, in the, in, in the, by means of gift giving. And... Uh, his sister is a missionary in Mexico, and um, he, uh, her sister and their family live in Mexico, and they, they advocate for marginalized children, and there's an orphanage, and they've been there many years, and so they needed to move into a new house, a bigger house, a better house, and so um, there wasn't the money available to do that, but it was definitely a need for them. And so my friend gathered everybody up together that he knew that might be interested in giving and got them together in, in the living room and said, hey, here's a need. Would you guys be interested in meeting that need? 
and it goes to a great cause, um, and lo and behold, a few days later, the need met, 25 grand. Now, now 25 grand, it, you know, you can get a really nice house in Mexico for 25 grand. So I think there's four kids or so, three or four kids, and, and nice, spacious. And so, you know, by our standards, that's maybe not that much money to build a house, but for them, it was this amazing gift. Even more so, it was a surprise for her. And so can you imagine the joy when he gets to tell her, hey, that new house you guys have been wanting, money raised. But I think even more so for my friend to have the joy of seeing his sister just light up that, wow, what an experience that I was able to give this gift and bless in this way. I, I have a poignant memory, you know, being in college and um, working two jobs, but in college you don't have that many bills compared to when you're like an adult. And I was, I had, you know, I had basically some discretionary income and just wanted to be a blessing at Christmas to my, to my fiance, um, Kim at the time. And I remember like I spent $200 for her on Christmas. And for me that was like, whoa, I mean, $200, I mean, I remember that. And um, I think she was, oh, you were impressed, right? And, um, and, but even, even though for like my family, you know, I was like, man, I'm working two jobs. I got discretionary income now. I want to, I want to kind of go above and beyond. And, and I remember them just being like, wow, you usually don't do much of anything for Christmas. And now you're really blessing us. And so I remember that. And it was fun to, for that they actually like noticed, you know, like gift giving is, is really fun. It's, it's part of our human experience. Like if you're, if you're a parent, you know the joy that you get when you like have wrapped those presents and you put them under the tree and the kids are like always trying to guess what it is and they're just like handling the presents all the time, shaking them and you're like just leave them alone. The time's coming, right? They open, finally the time comes, they open up the presents, Christmas Eve, Christmas morning, whatever, and their eyes light up and you're like, wow, that's just, that's awesome. <laughs> Giving a good gift is just really fun. Give it, get a lot of joy from that. Like, let me ask you this. Can you think of examples in your life where you've been able to give a really significant gift and you saw that person's eyes light up and it just brought you great joy? Like, do you know why we as human beings love to give gifts and, and have those emotions that we have when we give them? It's because we're created in the image of a gift-giving God. The God of the universe, revealed in Jesus Christ, present now in the Holy Spirit, is a gift-giving God. We're made in His image, meaning we reflect how He is. And so because of who He is, what follows from that is that we're going to reflect that. All right? Look at our text for today. It couldn't be any more clear. This is what Jesus says to his followers. He says this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and to the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. And then he, 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 he wants to bring us into something logical here. This is the logic of Jesus. Let's see if we can track with the logic of Jesus. Verse 9. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Logically, the assumption is none of us. Uh, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent, 
a serpent. None of us. He's like, okay, thus, if then, verse 11, you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father, catch that, how much more will your heavenly father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Your heavenly father loves to give you good things. You believe that? He finds joy in gift-giving to us. Said negatively, um, he's not stingy. He's not grumpy, reluctant. He's not miserly. Like up in heaven counting his cash and like, oh, all right. Like that's not how our God is. Think about that again. And, and pause as we reflect on this text this morning. And just believe God's word. Because I know for some of us, our default setting is that he is grumpy. He is miserly. He is kind of holding out on us. But no, the Bible says, as far as I'm reading it, I'm not making this up. Verse 11, your heavenly father loves to give you good things. Do you believe in God that way? I struggle with this. Sometimes I do view God as grumpy. Like holding out on me, maybe just constantly disappointing in me, disappointed in me, reluctantly in relationship with me. But that's not what verse 11 says. Just again, track with the logic here. Verse 11, if, if you then who are evil, like meaning if you, you then who are still entrenched in this war against sin, if you know how to give good gifts, like my default setting at times, my, my knee-jerk reaction is selfishness. I wish I could say it was different. I want to be selfless and I have to go to war against that sinful part of my nature. And Jesus is saying, yeah, I, I see that in you. And yet you still show up with your wife on Christmas morning giving gifts to your kids. That's what he's saying. If we can know the joy of giving good gifts. Look at what he says. How much more? How much more? How much more is our God a giver when it comes to gift giving? How much more will God not hold out on you? How much more can God provide for what you need? Like, as I was preparing this week, it just landed on me. Because I needed to preach this to myself like I'm speaking it to you all right now. And this, this should be one of the most encouraging Sundays that you've ever had. As we're reminded of what God's word says here. Like the God of the universe set the stars in the sky, pulls the, the mountains out of the ground, says to the ocean, here and no farther. Like that powerful God, he loves to give you good things. He's not holding out on you. He's got the power to give them. Nothing's holding him back. He has the desire to give them. Like God's word is so clear, right? So that's just the first basic, simple text, uh, truth from the text that I want to pull out. I want you to embrace. I want you to see and believe this morning. Your heavenly father loves to give you good things. Do you believe that? And if not, why not? 
Because God's word is clear as far as I'm seeing, right? So that's clear, I think. But let's pause here and let me highlight a caution. Let me highlight a caution. Let me just read the whole text again and then we'll draw out the caution. That I'm sure that if we see, it's going to make this text come alive for us, okay? Look at verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. So just by the way, when Jesus uses like a, a thrice, like once, twice, thrice, um, thrice is kind of a fancy word I don't usually use. Um, so I want to break that down for you in case you're new to the whole thrice thing. Um, anytime Jesus used like a thrice repetition... He's really trying to emphasize something. It's repetition for the sake of emphasis. So Jesus is saying, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Like, like if you come to your Father, you will receive. Okay? And then he just underscores that. Verse 8. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks it will be opened. So he's repeating himself here for the sake of emphasis. And then he launches into the logic. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So, I think the key that unlocks this whole text is in verse 11. And it sur surrounds the repeated word, good. See it twice in verse 11? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? The word good is what unlocks all of this. Now if we misunderstand the word good, we're going to misunderstand the whole text. And we're going to set ourselves up for massive disappointment. But if we get it, we're going to set ourselves up for massive joy in receiving. So verse 11. He says very clearly, parents, human parents know how to give good gifts. Our heavenly Father knows how to give good gifts to us. So let's, let's talk about parents right now. Knowing how to give good gifts to their kids. Now here's the question for all of you who are parents in the room. Is your definition of good when it comes to a gift always the same as your kids' definition of good when it comes to a gift? No? I see some heads nodding no, right? There might be a bit of a distinction there between the definition of the word good when it comes to gift giving, right? Like, dad, can I have ice cream for supper? My kids, that's a good thing. Parents' definition of good, probably not as good, right? Dad, can I have an 80-inch flat screen in my bedroom? Probably not. My kids, real good. Dad, will you buy me a flamethrower? <laughs> now that sounds like a lot of fun. Not a good idea from my perspective, right? So here's the point. How we are defining good and who is defining the good is very key when it comes to responding to a request. We can get that in a, in a human analogy of, of parenting, right? But more positively, 
Like that's the negative side. Here's the positive side. If my kids come to me and they ask me in accordance with what they know my definition of good is, man, that's a joy for me to say yes to that, right? So, Dad, can we bless Mom above and beyond this year on her birthday? Absolutely. That's my heart. I want to see your mom blessed. Dad, can we serve people in our new neighborhood in a way that, man, would really be seen as loving? Absolutely. That's my heart. That's the heart of the Lord. Let's do that. Hey, Dad, can we pray for some of these needs that I know that we have right now in our family? Absolutely. That's my heart. I want us to pray together as a family. So those, those things are clearly within my definition of good. And since my kids know my heart, they know that they can come to me with those requests and that I'm going to find great joy in, in answering those requests. So in the same way, you see where this is headed? Jesus is saying the same thing about our Heavenly Father in verse 11. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now, we have to be careful because it's easy for us, too, to ask our Heavenly Father for ice cream for dinner. You with me? To ask things that, that are not in accordance with His will, with accordance with His heart, in accordance with His desires. So we have to let our Heavenly Father define what is good and submit to His definition of good. We can't import our own definition, maybe sometimes a, a sinful, idolatrous definition of good, like, God, would you just make me rich? Well, what are we really asking for there? What are we worshiping there? We're worshiping God or we're worshiping money? That might not be his definition of good. It's not that money is evil, but typically if I'm asking that, I'm probably thinking more about myself and less about his kingdom, right? But if I come to him with his definition of good, just like in the parenting analogy, we know that he hears us. We know that if we ask, seek, knock, man, it's going to be answered, or it's going to be found, that door is going to be opened, right? It's his definition of good. So then the question becomes, how can we know the heart of the Father? How can we know his definition of good? It's real simple. It's God's revealed word, right? We're going to climb into this book, and we're going to learn all about who God has revealed himself to be. So if you want to become a better prayer, if you want to see your prayers answered with more more frequency, with more joy, prayer and Bible have to go together. Because there's no way that you can ask knowing the Father's heart in a way that He's going to answer like this text without knowing who He is. Right? You feel that? So this is God's Word. This is what He's revealed about Himself. You want to know God's heart? It's right here. So as the more we soak in the Bible, the more we soak in who He is, the more we can ask according to His will. And then just like in the parenting analogy, yes, the answer is yes. The promise from the text this morning is yes, but it's got to be His definition of the good. So let me give you an example. So we open up God's Word and we see, man, God, you have said that you're a God of the nations and you want to be glorified in every tribe, tongue, and people group on this whole planet. And so we can go to you and pray for our partners with big expectant prayers like we did last week with our partners in North Africa right here on the stage. We prayed, Lord, would you raise the spiritually dead in their city? It seems impossible 
in a Muslim culture, it seems impossible. God, would you do it? We know that's your will. Your, your revealed will has said that that's, that's what you want. So we're coming based on this text this morning, expecting to see it. And knowing that he says, yes, I will do that. I love to do that. And we, we open up his word just a, a few verses before our verse for today. And we see in Matthew 5, verse 14, he says, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And so this is the church. This is God's people. We're, we're called to be, when we gather and people come in that don't know Jesus, they should be like, man, there's something different here. There's a light here in this building that's different, like kind of like a city on a hill where there's a light, a torch, a spotlight that lights up in a, in a dark place and you can't, you can't look away. Man, there's a light in this room that's different than the light in my neighborhood, that's different than the light in my workplace. And so that's who we're supposed to be. That's who God calls us to be according to his word. So then when we pray about that and say, God, would you make more churches like that, new churches planted through us in Madison, and we look in his word and we go, God, I know this is your heart, so I'm coming to you according to your definition of good, and I know you love to answer that prayer. We can pray expectantly. We can pray bold, because we know that's our Father's heart, right? But what about this? This is where it gets a little more challenging, a little more tricky. What about when you know you're asking something according to God's definition of good, but that prayer just isn't answered that, that can be painful for us right I mean I know a lot of your stories a lot of good things you're asking the Lord for and it just seems like it hasn't come yet we're waiting we're waiting for example in the life of our church we've, we've been praying for nine years that we would be able to send someone to join the work more, more full-time of church planting um, with our team in North Africa. And now, nine years later, we have Ruby. And she's set to go, and September 8th, we're going to have her up here, and we're going to formally send her out to join the work there on a more full-time basis. This is super exciting for us as a church. But during those nine years, when we've been praying as elders for that person, we, we could be tempted to think, Lord, what, what's going on here? Like, what are you doing? Like, don't you want this for your church? Your, your word says that you want this. Why, why has this not come about yet? I think if we go back to the parenting analogy, it can really help us. So there's times, maybe if you have kids and they're, they're maybe four or five or younger or whatever, where they might come to you with a good request. But as parents... Sometimes you know that a situation is going to be more complicated than just the simple request of a four or five-year-old, even if it's a good request. And it's, it's kind of complicated, and there's a lot of, you know, moving parts. And for you to kind of bend down and try to break it down and look them in the eye and be like, okay, here's the reasoning mom and dad have for why the answer is not yet or the answer is no. I mean, it would just kind of blow their minds. They don't have the capacity to understand all the reasoning that you would have as parents, as adults. So what you say to them is, honey, I just want you to trust us. Would you be willing to trust us right now? 
And I think it's very similar with our Heavenly Father. Like, we can't climb into, like, the inner recesses of the infinite, infinite mind in terms of how he relates to us. There's a thousand things going on that we might not be aware of. And if he tried to explain that to us, it would blow our minds. And so our Heavenly Father simply asks us to trust. He calls on us to trust him. But we know for a fact that he's good. We know for a fact that he loves us. We know for a fact that he's not holding out on us. And, and for those that love God and are called according to his purpose, he's working all things together for our good. Even when it's a no or a not yet. So I don't want to be oblivious to that as we read this text this morning. That is part of our human experience that, 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 that this text doesn't address. But the Bible does address it more Broadly. Now, I don't want us to go too far down that rabbit trail this morning because I just want you to see this and I want you to be super encouraged and it's super simple that if you are abiding in Christ, meaning you're, you're, you're soaking in who he is in his word. And if you know Jesus, if you know the Father, if you know the Holy Spirit, our one triune God, three in one. And if you are growing in how he defines the good, not how we define the good. We have to submit to his definition of good. And the promise this morning is that when you pray those prayers in accordance with his heart, he loves to answer them. Now, it might not be immediate. And it might not be until the new heavens and new earth. When, when, when the dead are raised and those that love God join him for eternity. When all of your desires are finally met. But praise God that, that, that the Bible says that our life is a mist. Like that day is coming sooner than you think. So, so, so much of the Christian life is we wait for you, Lord. We wait for you, Lord. So there's coming a day when this will all be actualized in your life. When all of your asking, seeking, and knocking will fully come. It might come in the next five minutes. It might come in eternity, but the promise is sure. It will come. It will come. So let's not give up. Let's keep pursuing the Lord according to his definition of good. We pursue him in his word, and we pursue him passionately in prayer. And then we go and we just pray bold, expectant prayers. Why not just go for it? Why not just go for it? Lord, I, I, I want to see you raise the spiritually dead in Madison. Lord, would you do it? Would you do it in my neighborhood? Would you use me? Lord, I'm, I've just been trying to share my faith with, with this coworker. I don't know how to do it. I keep running up against brick walls. Stay at it. Lord, my kids, they, they need Jesus. Would you save them? Whatever it is, whatever it is, man, based on this text this morning, know that your father's not holding out on you. He loves to give you good things. And as you get to know him and pray those things, he's going to answer. It's just a matter of time. All right? Let's pray. Father, we know that it may not be immediate, but we know that it will be. And so give us faith to trust you. Give us faith to trust you. We need you. Lord, I pray you would make this text come alive in our church. 
that like when we gather in our city groups and we pray passionately once a month, that this text would be real close to our minds and that it would shape this church, that we trust you because you are our Heavenly Father. You're not out to get us. You're, you're not against us because we are in Christ. And so would you help us live and love that way. In Jesus' name, amen.